On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. We got a little surprise for you tonight! It is so beautiful to see you! You to want me. Hey out there, live music lovers. Welcome to episode number six of First Concert Memories from the guys at the Ugly American Werewolf in London. That's right, the Wolf and Action Jackson created this sidecast so we could share memories with folks about the first time they saw a band and how it inspired them, how it moved them why it was so special for them, how it changed their lives. And today, we've got a real treat. Because not only do we have a very good friend and seasoned DJ, Marcus the Darkest Goldman from WMMR in Philadelphia, joining us. But he's talking about seeing you 2 as a teenager when he is in high school, going with all his buddies, when they were up and coming in 1983. But this was a special show. And that not only was Marcus and a bunch of his buddies from high school at this show, but it was at Red Rocks. And it was the place that the Sunday Bloody Sunday video was filmed. The one with Bono waving the white flag at everyone. The one that all of us around the U.S. saw on MTV day in and day out in 1983 and 84. And the concert was filmed and broadcast on those Saturday night concerts. So not only does Marcus have incredible memories of this, we all have incredible memories of the performance because it was preserved in time and video and we all saw it for those years. And it's what helped us get to know you 2 and help propel them to superstar status in the United States. So we'll jump into Marcus and try to get our 20 questions answered as well. Quickly, a little bit of business. We are, as is Marcus, proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, a network of about a 100 different shows. Not all rock and roll. There really is something in there for everyone. Check them out at PantheonPodcast.com or at Pantheon Pods. And all you music lovers and record collectors need to get to our sponsor, RareVinyl.com. They're based in the UK, folks, but they ship all around the world. And they have hundreds of thousands of items in stock, all well cataloged all throughout the years. You're looking for LPs, singles, CDs, posters, tour programs, limited edition, first print, mint condition. Go to rarevinyl.com. And if you use code UGLY, you save 10% off your order and you help support our show. And we've had a big jump over the holiday season, as you might imagine. But now they're into January. Do you have birthday presents? Do you have anniversary presents, Valentine's Day presents, whatever it might be, whether it's for that someone special or you figure you deserve something, right? You didn't get exactly what you wanted for Christmas. Eh, go get it now at rarevinyl.com. Use the code UGLY and save yourself 10%. Now, we've wanted to have Marcus on the show for a long time because he's just a good guy. And he's been a big supporter of us, and we appreciate that. But when we told him about our first concert memory sidecast, and he let us know that he was at the U2 show in Red Rocks on the war tour in 1983, the one that ended up on MTV so much, I'm like, well, 
That's the way we're going to kick off the new year because that's how I got to know you two. And that's how Jackson got to know you two. That's how a lot of kids around America got to know you two in the early 80s was from those videos shot at Red Rocks that night. But did you know it poured down rain that day? That the band had to go on the radio and encourage people to come? You know about half the ticket holders didn't even show up and so all the kids crashed down to the front? What an amazing night. And we think you're going to love it. So here we are. We're talking to Marcus the Darkest about seeing you too. June 1983 at Red Rocks here on First Concert Memories. I looked over the questions. They're pretty straightforward. And then, yeah, yeah, whatever questions you have about that day, I'll do my best to remember. It was a long-ass time ago. (laughs) You're a lot younger, so. Yeah, yeah. But what's amazing about this night, Marcus, is that, you know, a lot of people will have memories and they'll be able to ask their friends about it. And then maybe you go to setlist.fm, right? And say, okay, and, and someone will have light out the setlist. Like, oh yeah, I remember when they played this or I forgot that they played that. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're lucky, they'll do a live album from the tour and you'll be able to, you know, remember it that way. But they actually filmed that yeah. night and yep. everyone around the world got to see this show. Maybe not exactly the same way, right? Maybe not all the songs, because they've had a couple different releases, but it's something that we've all seen at least a part of. It was a huge part of launching U2 in the U.S., really. Oh, yeah, that concert was monumental in taking U2 to the next level of rock and roll greatness, and it was a magical night. I really don't know how to describe it other than that. It was a special night. Everything seemed to align. Red Rocks is a magical venue. It is. The the sound is the best. It may be the best outdoor venue in the country. I know there are a few other really fantastic places like the Gorge in Washington Mm -hmm. and a few other great outdoor venues. But man, I've seen some magical shit at Red Rocks (laughs) and I'm very lucky that I've gotten to see so many concerts there. But yeah, that night with you two and the divinals actually opened up for him because it was raining. The night was rainy and foggy and misty and because of the weather, the alarm didn't play, but the divinals came out and this was before I touched myself. And I think if I'm not mistaken and my memory serves me correct, she might've been cutting herself a little bit on stage. I can't remember, Goodness, but like, or she was using fake blood for effect is what I think she was doing at the time. I can't remember the details, but they were really good. And then you two came on and it was just, it was an amazing day. I mean, I had a group of high school friends I went up there with. We had bought tickets. I swear to God, 95% of that crowd was 21 or younger. I yeah, that's swear. what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy how many high school kids from all over the country were there, or not country, but how many high school kids from all over the state were there because U2's music was really impacting us hard at that time. And... I know there were over a thousand kids from my high school there. My high school had over 4,000 kids in it. And I can assure you that there were a thousand plus there. The group of people I went with was probably half a dozen. I had a 74 International Scout SUV. Nice. Not SUV, but a Jeep. And I drove up that day. I stayed sober. We got up there at like 10, 30, 11 in the morning because we wanted to be as close to the stage as possible because it was general admission back then. There were no assigned seats. No way. Red Rocks. Yeah, Red Rocks was all general admission, and we would go up there and hang out all day. 
And See, that's what it, that's what it looked like if you watched the if you watched the the film, which I did again. It looks like they they kind of started, and then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people like ran up to the mm-hmm. to the front. Was did they hold people back, or was that how did that work? They didn't really hold people back. I mean, they let us get up and get settled in because we were kids. We weren't gonna fuck with the bouncers or anything right. like that. I mean, seriously, those guys were huge to us, and uh, there was no way we were gonna mess with them. We followed the rules. We just wanted to get good seats so we could enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. And I didn't drink. I don't think my friends drank very much. We were all under the attitude that if we're gonna spend this much money for a concert, <laughs> we'd like to remember it. Yeah. And I mean, I'll never forget that night. It was still my favorite concert of all time. Had, had you been there before to Red Rocks? Yeah. Um, okay. my, fir- my very first concert was a family concert in the early 70s. We went to see Barry Manilow. Ooh. And he was actually fantastic. And then my Barry second concert. Rocks. Yes. And then my <laughs> second concert was Sean Cassidy at McNichols and you couldn't hear him because the girls were screaming so loud (laughs) and then my third concert was the village people which I still remember that concert to this day it was so much fun to me as a 10 year old kid it was a costume party (laughs) so I just kept going down onto the arena floor and checking out everybody in their costumes having no idea what was going on everybody (laughs) dancing everybody not giving a shit Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun to me. To me, that's what freedom was at that time. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, I saw Kiss at McNichols, and it was on from there. Oh, nice. yeah. Well, I, I asked about that because the, the first time I ever saw this was the, the video that MTV would play for a Sunday Bloody Sunday from this deal. And to see, I mean, I didn't know anything about Red Rocks or yeah. anything, but to see it, I just thought it looked like the coolest place on the face of the earth. It looked like it was carved out of the mountain. It is. It's a naturally formed venue. They added the seats, but the angles of the walls, everything like that is natural. And one of the most awesome parts about this venue, because there's so many of them, is when you're sitting there watching the band play, behind the stage, you could see Denver. As the sun was setting (laughs) behind you, you could see the city of Denver in that orange-red glow. Just gorgeous. And it really made a difference, and it still makes a difference when you go see a show there. Yeah, and I've I've only seen one show there, but I saw Neil Young play, and uh, the Alabama Shakes open for him, and they were awesome. They were so good. But let's go back. Let's go back for a minute. Let's get a little bit of backstory before we get into the very, very well-researched questions that we've <laughs> given you to come up with the answers <laughs> for. So here we are. It's June 5th, 19. 83 you're a teenager you're in high school but there's heavy downpours of rain like i think you can get like ten thousand people in there something like that and they're they're thinking they're going to cancel the show because the the rain is so nasty and bono actually goes on the radio from what i read to say hey no look we're still coming out we're still gonna play and then it poured heavy in the afternoon and then it subsided finally when it was about time for the well i guess for the divinals to come on and then you two afterwards so did you just sit there getting soaked did you have raincoats with you we knew it was gonna rain we had our big rain gear with us i mean in colorado you're prepared for that stuff as a Mm -hmm. kid there are like there are days where you can go up and snowboard in the morning at loveland and then go back come back down to denver and play nine holes of golf <laughs> yep that's the way it is and and that's so rad and so we were prepared i had i know i had my yellow rain park on my rain park jacket on not 
parka, but my rain jacket on because it was good. We It was my camping jacket. And man, that thing blocked all the rain out. And we sat there and we hung out and we had fun. There were so many cool kids there. And I'll tell you what, at 16, 17, 18 years old, if it's raining like that and you're having fun, nobody gives a crap about the rain. The rain's just there. Mm-hmm. And you kind of even tune it out because you're having so much fun. I mean, I remember meeting kids from so many different high schools that were just as excited as we were. And because it was music, there was no high school rivalry bullshit or anything right. like that. <laughs> Everybody was there to see you too. And the thing about you two at that time, between October, boy, and war, us 16, 17, 18-year-old kids could completely relate to that band. Mm, we right. connected with them at a whole different level. And... That's what made part of that show special. Mm. That's amazing. That's well, so it cool. looked like it looked like it was cold that night. I mean, it it, it seemed like I mean, but you Plus, could see the breath coming out of the yeah. out of their mouths, and you know, after a while, you can see the you get a little bit sweaty and the starts to come off of you. But it seemed like the energy was a thousand percent. They weren't like, oh, whatever, we'll play in the rain. It, it seemed like they didn't even care. Good evening. Oh, they did not care at all. They were excited. And I mean, during the show, you still got little bits of misty rain and stuff like that that happened, a little drizzle here and there. But yeah, I mean, being able to see your breath and <laughs> being able to feel the energy of these kids singing along every lyric to every song, mm-hmm. just powerful. And I'm sure that you too still remembers feeling the energy of that show. I can assure you they'll never forget that show. And being a part of it, I feel lucky. When I went, I had no idea that this was going to be what it became. To sure. me, it okay. was just me going to check out you 2 at Red Rocks. We get there and we're like, oh, yeah, they're filming it for MTV. We didn't care. We're just like, we want to see you too. And we did. Yeah. And and first looking at it back in the day, it looks like it's packed. First of all, I don't know where Red Rocks is. If you'd have told me that it was in, in Switzerland, I would have said yeah there they are in switzerland i had no idea you know it could have been in the highlands of scotland i have no idea you know it just looks amazing and with the fire and the flames it just looks so cool but the fact of the matter is it was about half empty now looking at it now i can see that it didn't look that way looked totally packed the time and all the kids are rushing and going nuts down at the beginning but you can look back up at the top it is it it, they said only about 4500 people showed up now I think it's because all the adults or the grownups are like, eh, I'm not going to go sit in the rain. But all the kids, like you say, are like, who cares if it's raining? I don't even care. I'm coming to see you, too. Oh, yeah. We didn't care one bit. We There was no way. I mean, it would you'd have in Colorado, in the school district I grew up in, here's what a snow day was determined by. And this will <laughs> give you a vibe for how we took the weather. Our superintendent drove a Chevy Suburban. Okay. The only way school was canceled is if he couldn't back out of his driveway in that Chevy Suburban. (laughs) And that meant 18 inches to 24 inches of snow. So we didn't care about the rain. But (laughs) but traveling up from Denver almost an hour outside the city can be difficult in the rain, the muddy roads. I I get why parents didn't want to sit there and 
stuff like that. And you two did a really big solid for the crowd too. The next night they played it like the Boulder theater or something like that and did yeah. a make good show for everybody who couldn't attend in the rain and the alarm got to play there. I couldn't do it. My parents were like, no man, you're <laughs> also going to see English beat bow, wow, wow. And REM, you can't do all this. You're too young. And I was like, ah, oh. So how did you get so into music, Mark? I mean, it sounds like your parents took you to some shows when you were young, but then you just grew up in this time where all these amazing bands were coming out and it just turned you on? I, I, I mean, my love for music started when I was a baby. My grandfather would dance me around and play stuff like the Mamas and the Papas for me. Nice. And I just always gravitated towards music, always loved music and listening to it just always made me feel good. And that was always something that was important to me. The very first album I ever bought was bigger than both of us hauling oats with my own money. Nice. Uh, <laughs> good to see they're still getting along so well today. That's all. Awesome. Uh, yeah. That, that <laughs> lawsuit's absolutely hilarious, but I, I respect Daryl Hall for doing what he's doing to keep him from selling the, his rights to a company so that they can uh, keep doing what they're doing without having to deal with the corporate hassles. I totally respect him for that. But I think the media is making it a bigger deal than it actually is. Well, yeah, the, the headlines don't always tell the story. And like uh, you're right, he's doing the right thing. You can't just ha sell half of our catalog to somebody without my permission, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we'll get into some of these just incredibly well-thought-out super questions. But, I mean, the first six, I mean, I think I've got for you here. Date, June 5th, 83, venue, Red Rocks and Morrison. Artist is obviously U2. The vinyls play before. The alarm couldn't. The tour is the war tour. And, well, I mean, look, you described the venue. We've all seen it, and, and I've been there as well. So it's you're right. It's one of the most fantastic places to see live music in the world, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, maybe some of those old Roman amphitheaters they still use in Europe could could maybe qualify. But the natural beauty, you can't, you can't beat. Oh, yeah. I would love to see a show at Pompeii. That would be huge. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> That amphitheater is awesome. I, we just did. You you had Toby Amy's on your show recently. Uh, yeah. They show King Crimson. I don't think it was Pompeii, but it was one of those ancient Roman theaters that they played in. I'm like, look, I don't know if I could sit through a whole King Crimson concert. It's too dense for me, but I would go there to see them. I think that would be amazing, you know? Oh, yeah. To see them in a venue like that would be incredible. And I can't wait to listen to your interview with Toby Amy's as well. That dude's great. He is great, and it just it great. just came out this morning. So you've got nice. uh, it's it put it on the playlist. Who, so you said you went with buddies. Who did you go with? I mean, did you go with some of your very best friends? Oh yeah, they were my closest high school friends. Two of them, unfortunately, are not here anymore. Kevin Wirtz, Jeff Paletti, Leslie Rich was with us. Lisa Lawrence was with us. Matt Lawrence was with us. Oh my God, I'm trying to think. I could, I mean, I could just seriously throw, just start throwing out names of high school people that were <laughs> there. But yeah, it was seriously. Probably a thousand kids from my high school were at that show. And I know the rain did deter a lot of people, but those of us that went got lucky. It was a magical night. So it was everyone's idea. But one of our questions is, was it your idea? Did you go with the crowd? It was everyone's idea, right? <laughs> yeah, we all. Yeah, it was at the point like at that time period, at the beginning of March, we would wait for the Denver Post or Rocky Mountain News Sunday paper and they would release the Red Rock schedule that day. It would oh, nice. never leak early. 
and we would all get it, and then we would get together, and then we would rotary dial each other up <laughs> and uh, be like, hey, did you see this list of shows? Did you see this list of shows? And then we'd wait for tickets to go on sale, and then we would all give each other money, and we would buy them and buy them in groups, knew who we wanted to go with, what shows we could go to, and we would buy tickets. It was so much easier back then. Mm. Yeah, no ticket brokers or anything. Yeah. Well, was it easier back then? I mean, did you camp out for the tickets? Did you just go to the Ticketmaster on Saturday morning and, and get in line? Or Yeah, we went to the department store in the back. You know, they mm-hmm. had the ticket booth in the back. We yep. would go there in line. We'd get there at like 6, 7 in the morning. I mean, dude, we were teenagers. I hated getting <laughs> up early then. Yeah. Unless it was for skiing or snowboarding. I mean, <laughs> re- or skiing, really. But yeah. We didn't get up early then. We were teenagers. But yeah, we would uh, go wait in line. But it was always fun because a lot of times, again, it was another, it was other teenagers waiting in line for tickets. Right. And yeah. it was just people talking about music. And man, I'll tell you what, when you talk about music, it just changes the vibe of everything. Yes, that's why we do the show, man. It brings people together like nothing else does. Bingo. Yeah. All right. Now, what about the, the records? Boy, War, October. You had them all. You loved them all. Did you have a favorite? Yeah, Boy is still my favorite U2 album to this day. I think the the naivete, the youthfulness, uh, that, that youthful naivete of U2 as they're growing up and, tra- you know, tra- changing from boys to adults, we could relate at that time. And the songs were beautiful. And Stories for Boys is still one of my favorite songs in the world. Wow. And I still tear up every time I hear it. Uh, It just, I don't know, it just really, it's one of those songs that just really wowed me. And we listened to the albums all the way through as kids. And I don't know, I was fortunate that I had friends who had older brothers and sisters who turned us on to a lot of this music and babysitters when we were younger who turned us on to a lot of this music. And then we had two radio stations in Colorado, KTCL in Fort Collins and KBCO in Boulder that were playing a lot of the alternative music. And then we had this thing called Teletoons on Friday nights at midnight. It was a video channel that would play all the weird alternative videos that MTV wouldn't play. Cool. And that was that local? Was local. Yeah, it was a local. Yeah, it was local, like almost like UHF TV. <laughs> Some nice. guy in his basement. <laughs> Pretty much, totally Wayne's Worldish, but <laughs> it was called Teletoons, and it was fantastic. And he played like U two and Joy Division and REM's oh, yeah. early stuff, and oh yeah, Prince's early stuff was in there. I saw. Um, Oh, God, who are they? Uh, Guilty, Guilty, uh, the French band. Uh, Nasty Little Green Men was another one of their alternative tunes. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, Classic, Classics Nouveau. Oh, okay. I saw some totally wild stuff. There was like one hit wonders, a lot of European alternative on there. King Crimson's Elephant Talk I heard for the first time on that channel. Wow. Like, holy shit. That dude's making some sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's killer. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, look, we, you know, I'm from the Midwest. Gary's from Connecticut, greater New York. So MTV was big to us, but in 1983, we're like 10. So we're just kind of getting what they'll feed us kind of thing. Right. We're just, it's all a wonder. It's all a magic. It doesn't matter if it's men at work or Michael Jackson or Duran Duran or whatever. We're just yeah. soaking it all in. Right. And you too, uh, 
I mean, it wasn't until this. I, I didn't see, I don't think I saw the New Year's Day video until I saw Sunday, Bloody Sunday from here, Jackson. Yeah, I mean, in 83, this was not on my radar. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I believe it. They were still growing up. I mean, if you really look at it, it was the album afterwards that really, I mean, this one put them on the map and they made a lot of noise with it, but mm-hmm. it was the unforgettable fire yeah. uh, that really started their songwriting changed and they hit a new level of maturity with the unforgettable fire and and more of a mainstream vibe too yes but they didn't compromise who they were either Mm -hmm. they still were doing their sound their way and they didn't compromise that and then they had the joshua tree which put them into the otherworldly status stratosphere yeah absolutely yeah. yeah But they're, I mean, they're doing great songs. I mean, from War, we reviewed War earlier this year as it turned 40. And the Two Hearts video that it looks like they filmed in France, like, this is great. It's a wonderful song, but it didn't take off. You know, yeah. New Year's Day, an amazing song and a cool video. It did okay, but it was once they did the Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And look, the, this is one of those songs. Uh, like I was listening to uh, Judas Priest Unleashed in the East the other night and i'm like god they do this stuff so much better live than they do it on the record and sunday bloody sunday is one of those songs it's a fine song studio but once they put this out once they did the live version from red rocks that eventually ended up on the live album as well that's what changed the course of u2 especially in the united states Oh, absolutely. MTV had a lot of power. Those Saturday night concerts did a lot for a lot of bands. I remember seeing the Pretenders on the Saturday night concerts and during Tattooed Love Boys, they had it all timed out because you know where she does, ah, fuck off, and then she kicks (laughs) it in. She did an extra delay on purpose so that the MTV censors would miss the beep. (laughs) So she hit it, they hit the beep, and she went, ah, fuck off, and got it on national TV. Way to go, Chrissy. Chrissy was amazing, still you, is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chrissy's amazing. And, but yeah, we saw like Adam and the Ants, the uh, Prince Charming Review was another one of the Saturday night MTV concerts I saw, and it was amazing. Wow. So yeah, we got to see a lot of the new romantic rock was uh, the Duran Duran stuff. The uh, mm-hmm. Spando Ballet was Spando. getting a lot of at that time, and it was wild. It was a wild time to be alive. You had the uh, competing uh, hair bands over on the other side of the spectrum. You had the the metal evolving with Metallica and some of the thrash bands, Motorhead. You know, you had the hardcore punk with bands like the Bad Brains and the Dead Kennedys and the Plasmatics and the Cramps. I mean, it was music was so alive at that time, and it was so exciting. Back to the back to what you were saying about that video, like the the song "Sunday Bloody Sunday" is. I mean, it's a good song. You can get behind it, but when you see that doing it live and the flames are in the back and he's like, he's marching to the beat and then he's got the flag when it comes out. It's just a lot more powerful in that version. That live version, they they did a great job with all of it. And if you haven't heard the entire concert, I recommend you do. I still tear up when I hear the Barry Fay introduction. And really? Bob Dylan did it. They called it Hard Rain and made a movie, and that's what you got right here. So you're all a part of history. Thanks for bearing with us. Hold on. God bless you. Oh, yeah. Barry Faye, my family knew him. Uh, We all grew up in the same area. My dad worked with him in some aspects. My dad was in uh, work for Xerox, so he knew Barry Faye through 
work, but we all knew each other and to hear his voice and the excitement in his voice and just all of the energy that day was also, I mean, it was seriously, it was, it was amazing. It was this perfect storm of music and, and kids and the young, you know, the American youth, you know, getting together and really enjoying something together. Yeah. And if you go back and you listen to it and that it just it was powerful, his introduction. It was simple. It was basic, but it was powerful. And a couple like a week later, we one of our local radio stations played the entire concert. And I still have I still have my cassette recording. I'm trying to find it and I'll send you pictures of it. Awesome. So that you guys can uh, have, uh, you know, pictures of it. But yeah. I still have my cassette. That's one of the cassettes that I will never get rid of. No, man. That's awesome. Hi, this is Steve Kilby from The Church, and you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order 
plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk about the, the scene in music at that point for a little bit, right? So we're coming out of the 70s and punk ruled for a while. But then I think they took some of the attitude of punk, but then they realized, look, these guys can't play. And we have some musicians who do really want to play some stuff. So while punk was to get rid of some of that proggy stuff that was just over the top, it seems like New Wave and the New Romantics took some of the aspects of prog musically, but then took some of the attitude and the fashion of punk and fused that together with some David Bowie kind of stuff. And then we had this very creative time in the early 80s. Oh, absolutely. And you can't forget the soul and R&B influence yes. in there as well, especially with the new romantics. Without the without the sweet soul singers, there's no way they could have come up with some of the sounds that they were doing. The blue-eyed and soul that, is what they called it. Yeah, it's also these white boys oh, yeah. from England are singing it, right? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it was it was a great time for music. You know, you had, you know, it seems a lot in a way that the punk movement of England kind of died out with the release of London Calling. And you had bands like Gang of Four making noise at that time. And, you know, you had Joy Division and you had yes. uh, New Order coming out of the ashes of them. You had uh, Gen X with Billy Idol, you know, coming out of that. You had... Susie talking Sue. heads yes yeah, Susie sue you had the talking heads i mean you had so many bands coming xtc was another band making mm-hmm. noise at that time and the scene was super alive pil came out of the ashes of uh sex pistols That's and right. did some incredible stuff too so everything was there um you had mid and ultravox doing some pretty incredible things as well oh yeah and of course you can't forget paul weller in the jam i the mean jam fuck <laughs> and then you had the ska scene in England with the beat, Madness, the specials, the selector. I mean, it was really, that time period was really fire for music. No matter, you could find something that you could, you like in there without a doubt. And yeah. if you can't, man, I'm sorry, because there was so much good music. <laughs> well, and there's style, time. there's color, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's not just, you know, verse, chorus, verse, solo, you know, bridge, solo, mm-hmm 
chorus out you know people yeah. were experimenting and there's new technology right i mean oh, yeah. the huge moogs that keith emerson used to have seven guys carry into the stadium now is in a, a thing that you can carry under your arm you know you, you can create all this new sound with all this cool new technology so people would experiment and come up with you know all sorts of gary newman you know all sorts of great stuff can come out you know so it's it, you're not constrained anymore by what you can do yeah the technology advancements were incredible and what they were doing i mean you had craft work in the 70s who was taking all this technology and moving everything forward at a whole new level and bringing a lot of that electronic music to light in the 80s and then because of uh because of the, the samples of bands like craft work you know the hip hop movement rose big time yeah. between the soul the funk and the electronic they use some incredible samples and i mean so you even have to i mean you even have to include the hip-hop scene and the rap scene in this because the music that they were putting out was pretty fucking incredible at that time as well and groundbreaking yeah so yes i this that period may have been the most exciting time to be alive for music i mean you had the 60s with the beatles and zeppelin and the british invasion which maybe could also be the most exciting time ever but yeah. boy what was happening in the late 70s early 80s was pretty revolutionary too Exactly. And we kind of romantically think about the 70s. Okay, now that was the time for hard classic rock and a bit of classic metal. But the early 80s, that time of the new wave, the new romantics, the new punk, all that, you'll never see anything like that again, I don't think. No, I think not. I mean, look at look at how fractured the metal community is. I mean, they have uh, 642 <laughs> different categories That's of right. metal now. <laughs> I mean, even rock and roll, you have indie rock, you have indie this rock, you have indie that rock, you have this, this, that, go, boop, indie rock. So, I mean, there's so many different subcategories that I don't think we will see it because there's too much out there, maybe. And Although back hard. then, there, there weren't really that many categories, right? It was just music. Like, it just kind of came from one to the other. It wasn't, oh, this has to be, this has to fit in a box. Yeah, and we're boxing everything because yeah. that's how we sell it. Correct. That's right. how our society sells it. And again, none of this is a take on any of the musicians who are in these cat. You know, the bands, the musicians. You guys are great. You're talented. You know, you've put a lot of time in your art and craft. We're talking more about corporate labels as far as all these categories and why. And I think corporate involvement in the music scene will definite is definitely a hindrance as well because Absolutely. we know that the money people take the creative out and mainstream it and strip it down. We know that. Everybody knows that. And that's what they do. So And oversell think, it. And oversell it. It's absolutely. like, oh, you like disco? Let's give you so much disco, you're sick of it in three years. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, oh, you like new wave? Yeah. Anybody with a strange haircut and a lot of color? Yep. We'll sign. Oh, you like hair metal? Anybody from LA with long hair and two guitars? We'll sign you in the late 80s. Oh, you like this yeah. grunge shit? Anybody who looks homeless and whines about mommy not understanding me? Yes, you get a record contract for three years. Yeah. You know, they, they don't know 
what to sell. They don't know what music is. Like, okay, this is the trend. Let's overblow this trend and ruin it, you know? And they do, a, and you know, they do. They smash a lot of these, uh, a lot of these trends out. And it's a bummer because there's, again, I would like to see an age like the late 70s, early 80s that was growing away from that decadent corporate arena rock or that decadent arena rock and the way people tried things, the way they bent the blues to their satisfaction and to their style. I think it made a difference because we saw so much of it. And all that time period is a huge influential time period mm -hmm. as far as what we hear today. Deftones are influenced by The Cure and a lot of those bands as well as some of the heavier bands. So you see it everywhere. Depeche Mode, a big influence on that time period. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's jump back to some of the to some of the the show here. And All right. like you say, you're you've got it's they let you sit anywhere. It's GA. You know, you just get in there and you sit wherever you sit. And I I think they encouraged everybody to come down. Like come down as close as you can because they were filming it. So about you know about where you were as far as your seats were. Oh yeah, I was like within the first three rows. Oh my god. <laughs> And there's one well, there's one scene from the MTV concert where they cut to commercials and they close out on my buddy Kevin, who is no longer here. And his face is who they go out into commercials with. And wow, we were right there for the whole time. At one point during the show, I was getting smashed against the rails and the security guards lifted me through the rails pulled me out, took me to the side and let me get back around so I could get back to the third row where my seats were, second row, like right where my seats were. So I got to slide back down the aisle and get back to where I was. It was not fun getting smashed against the rails right oh, there. I can't imagine. But I'll tell you what, the sound was good. We sang every song. Um, it wasn't too loud. We didn't air, wear earbuds at that time period. But the sound was good? Did. The sound was really good. I yeah. mean, you hear it on the record, and if the sound was bad that night, there's no way the soundboard could have gotten good quality the way they did. They got great quality sound, which we were able to enjoy, but yeah, the sound was amazing that's a little well, scary thing, though to get squished into that i mean it, we, it had been a year since those folks had died at the who concert or whatever i mean that's a little nerve-wracking yeah it didn't feel anything like that it just felt like kids being excited like a really tight mosh pit but not really moving just people pushing up to get close to bono mm -hmm. and that's really what it was like it wasn't like i never felt in danger or anything like that it just was getting annoying Mm. And it was starting to hurt. And I was like, you know, this sucks. I'm going to try to get up. Hey, can you help me? And they helped me. And it was, it was still, it was great. Even with stuff like that happening, it was great. talking about the sound one thing that i noticed watching the, the re-watching the movie again is how clayton sets the groove on the bass he's very i mean i i know that bono gets a lot of press obviously the edge playing the piano with the guitar on his lap and doing about three things at once but man with when he's setting that bass groove he does a lot more than he gets credit for oh absolutely and larry mullen jr too the same he's a great mm -hmm. drummer i mean you can't have a great band without a great drummer it's yeah possible 
And those two together have been the quiet guys in the band. If you actually watch Rattle and Hum, you'll see, you'll get a little bit of feeling for their personality. And they're two really lighthearted, funny guys mm -hmm. and real down to earth. It's obvious that Bono and The Edge are pretty much the spokespeople or the faces of the band. And I think Adam and Larry Mullen Jr. are both totally happy with that role. Yeah. And they just, those two guys have so much fun playing music. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you want to live your life having fun playing music okay that's awesome all right well what was your favorite moment from the show was it when they first started was it your favorite song i mean what was there a moment that you remember was like god that's magic yeah when he sat down played the piano and sang october mm. was my favorite moment of the entire show i mean it had been so energetic and wild and this just gave every it gave the evening some tranquility nice and that tranquil moment in the rain and in the fog and in the dark with, you know, senior, it just it was so special. And I still love hearing that song. And that is one of the songs I will play live first when I go back and revisit that album is October. Nice. Yeah. So I would have to say, yeah, that was my favorite moment. Favorite song, though, at the end when they uh, did, I think it was 40 they shut down with. Right, yeah. And everybody just sang along. I mean, it really was special, too. So that was probably my favorite song because the crowd really just crushed it together but my favorite moment was when october uh, happened so it seems like it's building right it keeps you're building and building to this crescendo and you'd think after they do i will follow everyone would be like spent right you know they were hopping around for that it's like nope they come back out for more for 40 and i bet if they would have played five more songs nobody would have moved are you kidding we were teenagers we would have <laughs> stayed out as late as they wanted us to <laughs> we would have stayed out till two in the morning if they wanted to do songs till two in the morning we did not care it was fun we would have found the energy you would have propelled them to, to stay on that stage they would have done it if you know they weren't contractually obligated to split plus they're probably cold and tired at that point like okay we did our bit we got the film you know it's in the can yeah it was, it was great all right well now so what was if there was one what was the biggest disappointment on the night the show ended well okay <laughs> that's what i like to hear you know <laughs> Sometimes it's they didn't play my favorite song or, you know, for, yeah. for, we had Christy on recently. And she's like, I was seeing my hero, Jimmy Page, for the first time. And this frat boy who was drinking all oh. all show puked on my shoes right at the end. Like, oh. That's a disappointment. Yeah, no doubt. That's awful. <laughs> Especially the ride home. Yeah, I think oh. I just ditched those and gone home mm -hmm. barefoot uh, myself. Totally barefoot indeed. Have you seen you two since then or in how many times? I have not. For a while, I was like, I don't know if they can ever top that. I don't sure. think I want to go see them. And then I just I had a chance to go see them a couple of years ago, and it just didn't work out. And I'm kind of bummed. I would have loved to go see them again. I would definitely go see them again if I got the chance. What do you think about this thing that they're doing at the Sphere in, in Las Vegas? I think it's, uh, I think it's amazing. I think it's uh, definitely an overload of senses. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> sensory overload is something, but I think for what they're doing, I think it's a great way to really enjoy music. And I really want to check it out. What do you guys think? I, my thing is, I, I don't know. Like you said, it's sensory overload. Like you can look at the ceiling and there's stuff on there all around. I, I don't know. I, I think that it, for me, I would want to see the show. That's what I'm there for. I mean, maybe if it was like they just played the music and then put the stuff on, I, I would I would think that I was missing something by looking all around the venue. Absolutely. I mean, with all that with all that video, it get, it get, has kind of like a laser Floyd vibe. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, for uh, for me, I, I want to see Edge's fingers hitting the frets. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. and I understand when I you know every time I've seen you two, I've been in a football stadium, so I I usually can't get that close to see that so they have to put on this spectacle around it because you got 50,000 people or whatever it is in there and you can't be up that close so I mean I I get the sphere I think it's really cool thing to do but I feel like it's somebody for whom the it would be better for whom you know the the music is secondary and the show is this big deal I mean I I could see you two in a bar it's not going to happen but I could see them in a theater right you know Um, so I, I don't know I'm I think it's amazing what they're doing. I don't know if that's exactly the way I want to see you too, but I'm with you. I would see it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think you made a good point about bands that maybe the music is secondary bands or musicians or performers who do more lip syncing and type of stuff to the music. Yeah. With all the visual and the audio, I could see something like that. You know, definitely. Yeah, if, if Dua Lipa wants to do more, that, yeah. fine, go ahead. You know, it's, it's all piped in anyway. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Hi, this is Mick Wall, and you are listening to the ugly American werewolf in London. All right, so what did you guys do after the show then? I'm gonna wait, wait, Jackson. You go ahead. You go first. I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Do you remember what day this was? Like day of the week? Uh, like did you go? Did you go to school? Sunday the next day? was it? Uh, we were out of school. We ended school in so, May. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering because you said a thousand of the four thousand went to this show. The other three thousand would have been pretty upset that next day had you all come back and been like, "You guys missed it. It's yeah. the greatest thing ever." I feel like I it was a remember. Sunday, from what yeah, I read. But if it uh, was a Sunday, it was a Sunday because the Friday before was June 3rd. And that was the day I saw the English beat Bow Wow Wow and R.E.M. Okay. But you were already out of school, though. Oh, yeah. So we were out of school. We got out Mm. of school the week before late Memorial Day. So okay. as it, it was should right be. before. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, it was wild. It was. Yeah. Summers. We we started at the end of August and we went until May. I mean, I gra- my last day of high school was May 5th or something like that when I graduated. They got the seniors out of there the hell early. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you're not doing anything. Get out of here. I know. <laughs> they did the same thing to us. So you saw R.E.M. on the Murmur tour. It was, uh, yeah, it was their very first U.S. tour. Their very first big U.S. tour. And right. Annabella Lewin was amazing. Bow Wow Wow was fantastic. But the English beat were great. And I had seen the English beat like three months earlier. They played this small venue called the Rainbow Music Hall. And I went out to buy a scalp ticket. Ranking Roger came out and gave a couple of us tickets that day. Whoa. Nice. 
So good for you, wild. Yeah, it was lucky. Saw the Lords of the New Church at the Rainbow Music Hall. So what did you guys do afterwards? Did you just go home, home and dry off? Did you go home and go, whoa, look at what we just did? We went home and had to be home. I, we were all under 18 at that time, so they weren't like going to let us go to like a Denny's or a diner and go sit and <laughs> talk about it, which we would have loved to have done. Mm-hmm. And what we ended up doing once we hit college. But yeah, we went home. And then we got up and hung out and talked about it the next day. Did you go to college out there? I started. No, I actually went to American University for a year and a half and then transferred to the University of Missouri. Oh, wow. And did you take radio arts? No, I actually uh, did uh, advertise. I went I, I went to American for uh, communications. And then when I transferred to Missouri, I started uh, writing ad copy for the school newspaper. So I wanted to be a copywriter out of college. And then somebody offered me a radio job and I ended up in the radio world. And aren't we glad you did, Marcus? I'm glad I did. Yeah, man. I never had to grow up. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. That is the goal. And you're doing a great job of it, man. I don't know. I mean, look, for me, just the way they started, out of control, uh, my head's blown right away. And it's like, you don't even have to get to Sunday, Bloody Sunday, or the the big radio hits. You hit out of control, and like all of a sudden, I know we're doing something different here. Edge's playing is different from everyone else's. It's like he's, I don't know, it's like he's doing two things at once. Not to mention, of course, he's also doing all the backup singing. Anytime Mm -hmm. you hear that backup, that's the edge. Yep. If you go back to, um, are you familiar with the magazine Trouser Press? No. It was an old alternative magazine, and we used to get that at this place called Wax Tracks in Denver. And I read an article there where originally U2 was going to move remove bono as lead singer make him manager and put the edge as the lead singer Hmm, like the band had talked about this and then they were like "Ah, i don't think that'll work and then they kept uh, bono as the singer good move (laughs) yeah i don't see the edge as the lead singer i mean he's a great musician but he doesn't have that you need the the showman to come out there and work the crowd Mm -hmm. i think vocally he has the chops yeah, but, yeah, but you're I right. Just, he's he, not a front man. Right. In right. the era of David Lee Roth, he, yeah. he's not that. <laughs> what can I say? Really? What can I say? Yep. And I mean, going back to the set list, I know we had to, like they went right from out of control into Twilight, but then they did Ankat Doob and Into the Heart and the Black Cat Ankat Doob on that dark, foggy night was just perfect. I mean, this set list is incredible. Surrender, Two Hearts Beat as One. Second, Sunday Bloody Sunday, The Electric Company. I fall down into October mm. and then New Year's Day, I threw a brick through a window, A Day Without Me, my other U2's favorite song, Gloria, uh, Party Girl, 11 o'clock TikTok, I Will Follow, and then 40. What, what a, a night. Yeah. Sing this song with me. This is 40.
Have you ever interviewed anybody from uh, you two in the course of your job? No. 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 Not if yet. You, if you could, who would you want to talk to? I would want to talk to either Larry or Adam Clayton. Okay. We've heard from Bono. We we, we know who yeah. he is on everything. <laughs> I mean, I think Bono's great. Look, those guys are great, but I am. I'm really interested in what Adam and Larry have to say because, I mean, they're the rhythm section. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, they're the backbone of the band. That's right. Yeah. And you need them, so. Well, would you see them again? I mean, I know you haven't. But yes, they come to Philly. They play. I guess they would probably play where the Eagles play. Yeah, they would play the link. That's where Mm -hmm. they played last time. I would definitely go see them in a New York second. I would absolutely go see them in a New York second. I would love to take my wife to go see him. She hasn't seen him. And I know she would love that show, too. And I think my son would, too. We oh, take yeah. him to shows whenever we can. So that's what I do. My my daughter's nine, but I'm trying to indoctrinate her as best I can. You know, you have to, man. You have to. Uh, have you guys seen you two? I have not. Yeah, I've seen him. Let's see. I saw him on Zoo TV in Tampa. I saw him on the. I guess it was a 360 tour up on in Soldier Field in Chicago, and then it was the uh, 30th anniversary of Joshua Tree. Nice. They actually played here in, in Louisville at Cardinal Stadium, and I don't know if you've ever seen the video. This enormous UPS jet is coming in. The airport is right next to the stadium, and he gets pretty low. I think the pilot wanted to see some of the show, so th- there's videos. It looks like he's going to land right on top of the stadium if you oh, can find Oh, that's hilarious. Those. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but so those were expensive seats. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, you know what? If I don't see him again, I have done it. Actually, at the Tampa show, I was technically a security guard. I, our our fraternity was doing a fundraiser. It's like, okay, you can come work security, and then all the money will go to whatever charity you want. And so when Public Enemy and Big Audio Dynamite were playing, I was working, you know, like underneath, like on the concourse downstairs, like helping the pizza guys get the pizza hut stuff in from the truck into the thing or whatever. But then once you two goes on, I'm like, Hey, you know what? This is my favorite song. I'll be right back. And I just ran upstairs and, and sat on one of the concourses like that, that goes out. And I just kind of said, Hey people, we need to keep this clear. Just keep this clear. All right. And I just sat there and watched the show. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. What a great way to do it. That's yeah. awesome. And then the I'm head jealous. guy came over. You know, the head security, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in trouble. He's going to send me back to my post. He's like, are you going to keep this area clear? I'm like, yeah, no, man, I got this. Anytime anybody comes up here, I'll just tell them to move along. Like, I wasn't supposed to be there. I just kind of did what I wanted to do. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. You got away with that one, too. That's sweet. Yeah, that's the old Tampa. Before they turned it into a pirate ship, the old big sombrero. Jackson and I saw the Stones there. We mm. saw I saw Pink Floyd on their last tour. I saw the Dead on one of their last twenty five shows with Jerry or whatever it was uh, with the Black Crows opening. It was a good spot to see the the great big rock shows. You know that are kind of going away. Unless you're Taylor Swift or Metallica, I don't think anyone else can play those shows anymore. I know Guns and Roses is about it. Um, and I don't want to see like that. I saw them a few years ago, and they were good. They were really good. It was fun, but yeah. I mean, Queens of the Stone Age filled up, filled the Man Center here in Philadelphia on their recent tour. My son yeah. had a blast at hmm. that show. That's cool. They were great. So there are a few bands. You're right, though. It's harder f- to find bands. I mean, Bruce Springsteen can still fill arenas and stadiums. Weezer, Green Day, and that's about it. Not yeah. many more. You two can come back and do it. I guess. Oh yeah. Well, oh, they could sell ready. out a stadium. I don't think they're. I Larry Mullen can't tour play for the rest of this year. So 
with his health issues. They'll do it one more time, though, I'm sure. They're young enough to I still do so. it. Yeah, I hope. I hope that he can get himself back into shape because that would be that would be sad. And I know he's chomping at the bit probably to see them out without him. Yeah. So anybody Definitely. you're going to see here soon or in the 2024? I For sure in 2024, I know we're going to see the Foo Fighters and the Hives up in Hershey, Pennsylvania because cool. that new album, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons, is insane. It is so good. <laughs> and they wear glow-in-the-dark suits on stage and TV. <laughs> just amazing cool. and the Foo Fighters are always a great live show but the Hives man go see them in a club and your world will change completely awesome I know I know rival sons are going to be coming back into the area this spring I try to go see them every time yeah. I missed Tool in November and I'm really bummed I ran out of gas that day and couldn't make it and they're going to be back in the spring or in the uh, summer. So I will go see them one more time. Yeah, we got to see they're... Rival Sons together, Jackson. And mm, even if we yeah. got to go up to Philadelphia to see Marcus with the Rival yep. Sons, we got to do it. You know, we got to yeah, yeah. do as it. Soon as, as soon as that uh, they announce that tour, I'll be putting my eyeballs on where to go. Absolutely. Any shows you guys are committed to or next year? We are going to see Steve Hackett together in March, in March, early yeah. March. Yeah. I, I, I promised my daughter that if she did well with her guitar recital, that I would take her to see Colin Hay do cool. his uh, uh, his acoustic bit. And, uh, and so I'm going to take her to that. I just bought tickets the other day. Wolfgang Van Halen is coming. Oh, oh, and is he playing with? Is he playing with Nita? I don't know if Nita's on the. On, I don't know if Nita's on. I think it might just be him doing it because he's it, amazing. It's, it's not even yeah. a theater, man. It's like a club, so it's all GA. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to see. Well, because I, I went to Amsterdam to see Metallica do their open their their big tour, yeah. and I just thought Wolfgang would be second of the opening acts, and he was first, so I missed him. And I'm like, damn it, you know, I really wanted to see him he's great he just played the keswick here in philly and that dude can throw down man he is super talented he is and he, can, he can play all the instruments and he can play guitar really well so any buffoon who fucking slams <laughs> it can fuck off yeah man what's your problem well it's funny to hear the great. old interviews with eddie van halen he's just a little kid and he's like oh yeah this kid he's gonna be great he's gonna be so talented and you're like yeah whatever you say dad and then to turn out that no, he really is. It, that's it's yeah. it's insane. He really absolutely. Is. And yeah, you're gonna love that show. He's fantastic. So oh, cool. take your daughter to that show too. Well, I probably take should. Your yeah, daughter. Yeah. Take your daughter. All right. Well, tell uh, tell our listeners where they can find your podcast, your radio show, everything about Marcus in the Darkest. Alrighty. I am a co-host of The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. My partner in crime is Ray Coob. Love working with him. We are coming up on five years this March, and we've had a blast doing it. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also go to our website, imbalancedhistory.com. You can find us on threads, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, The Imbalanced History of Rock rock and roll you can email us at imbalancehistory at gmail.com as well and we love to hear from you we love being a part of the pantheon podcast network we've met some incredible people that love music on this network and it's been a lot of fun so thank you to everybody for supporting us pantheon podcasters yes thank you everyone and uh, do you have a regular bit on wmr 
I do. I work Sunday night, seven to midnight at WMMR in Philadelphia. You can listen WMMR.com. I love it. And I also produce a podcast about digital accessibility called article 19. And it is, I don't do any speaking on it. I am just helping these young people do incredible work. So good for you. That's awesome. Well, Marcus, Marcus, the darkest. Thank you so much for joining us here on first concert memories on a concert that amazingly we've actually seen. We weren't there with you, (laughs) but I don't know how many times on this series we're being able to say that. So thank you. Thank you for telling your story. Ah, thank you guys for reaching out to talk about this. I love talking about music, so it's always great. And we'll get you guys over on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. And we'll do some five favorites with you and rock that out on some sort of theme. So we'll do that. Sounds like fun, man. Anytime. All righty. Sound good? All right. Sounds great. You know, we'll pick a theme that we all like and uh, that we can all jive on and that'll be fun and varied and we'll uh, we'll wreck it. Okay. I I think that'll be easy enough to find find something we can all kind of run with, man. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thank you, too. I will uh, talk to you soon. I'm going to go check out Toby Amy's this afternoon. Nice. Interview. So good for you. Talk to you soon, man. All right, brother. Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, Why can't thank Marcus the Darkest Goldman of WMMR in Philadelphia enough for coming on the show and selling that story, man. Going to see you two live at Red Rocks when they filmed the famous Sunday Bloody Sunday video that propelled you two to heights they had not seen before in the U.S. and eventually around the world. To be at that show is extraordinary, man. And not only have a seasoned radio professional to walk us through it, we all have video of it. We saw it growing up. It's a part of our understanding of you two as well. It's just that he was there live the first time before all the rest of us got to see it. And that's a great rock and roll story. And that's what this first concert memories show is all about, is when people connect with a band and seeing them live, especially at that age when you're with all your friends. This is a band up and coming. You know they are changing the world. You can feel it. You can hear it in their music, which is like nothing else. And it propels you on a path the rest of your life. And we thank Marcus so much. He's such a great guy. Our Pantheon podcast brother. You can check him out on the Imbalanced History of Rock podcast. Check out his show. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram, wherever. We thank you, Marcus. You're welcome anytime, my brother. Now let us know, folks. What concerts do you want to talk about seeing for the first time? Which bands changed your life and you want to hear from somebody about how it changed theirs shoot us an email it's ugly american werewolf at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at ugly underscore werewolf or at action jack 72 follow us on instagram youtube threads visit our store buy your wolf merch use the code 10 off 2023 you can save 10 percent, and use the code ugly at our sponsor rarevinyl.com and you can save 10 percent off any of the 250,000 plus items they have in stock So thanks to Pantheon Pods, and thank you. Remember, going to see live music is the number one way that you can help keep rock alive. to achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? 
Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.